Tan Sabrina. What did you call me? Tan. Oh, I am. You're sun-kissed. I have a little sun. You've got a wonderful glow. My goodness. Thank you. Are you wearing makeup? No. I also have like the morning sun coming in through the window. I've never seen such a wonderful dewy complexion in my life. Jeez. (gasps) I am wearing makeup and I I don't look like you. I truly just brought out of bed. I feel so great. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. You woke up like this. (laughs) Well, I did. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're making me cry. Uh, well, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And if you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen my desperate plea at 1 a.m. last weekend <laughs> <laughs> when I was alone in a hotel room and experiencing some hauntings. So I went back to New Jersey. Nick and I both went for my sister's wedding, and then we stayed for a little bit longer to do a little vacation with my family. But we stayed at a hotel in Morristown, New Jersey. It's called the Madison Hotel. And the town, first of all, has like a ton of history. It's very similar to like all the East Coast history, like all the presidents, you know, Washington lived there during the Revolutionary War and all this stuff, as it is with the East Coast. So the Madison Hotel, it's pretty old. The second you walk in, it's got like, a very old antique vibe to it. Yeah. Which I was all for. I was not expecting that. So I was super excited about it. But then we went to dinner on Friday night and, you know, my sister and her fiance, now husband's family, the women of the family, we all like hung out and did face masks, whatever. We get home at like midnight and the guys are all doing their own thing. So Nick's with the guys. I get home back to the hotel at midnight and I'm like, exhausted because we had just flown and I'm tired. So I'm getting into bed, trying to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden at 1230, the hotel phone rings just once. I pick it up and I'm like, maybe it's my mom from her hotel. Or I don't know, you know, how moms use weird technology. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was calling me from her hotel phone. So I pick it up and it's dial tone. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But I put it back down. I like roll over and then I try to fall asleep. And then at like 12.50, the phone rings again. And I answer, and again, it's dial tone. And I was like, this is weird. And I all of a sudden like really started to feel unsettled by it and like felt Mm. uncomfortable in the room. So I called the front desk and I was like, hey, do you know who's trying to call me? Like they even looked at it and they're like, this is really weird. There's no, no one's called your phone through our system. Oh, it wasn't even showing up? No. Ooh, I just got chills. And they were like, that's super weird. So- I'm like, okay, well, hopefully it stops. (laughs) And of course, feel super uncomfortable now. And I try to go back to sleep. Actually, I put the office on because, you know, you need a little Mm -hmm. bit of comfort. Right. And then I'm like texting Nick and I'm like, I feel like this place is haunted. Can you come home now? And obviously he's with the guy. So I'm not like, you know, he's doing his thing. And the phone rings again at 1.08 a.m. And same thing, dial tone. And then I start to feel super, super uneasy. Like already I felt uncomfortable and uneasy. Mm -hmm. But then there was this like old mirror in the room and I kind of felt like something was going to come through it. I also like didn't want to get out of bed because I was like, what if something grabs me by the ankles? And then I at 1.11 a.m. posted on our Instagram story like, hey, staying in a haunted hotel, very scared. And people were suggesting that I cover the mirror or take it down. But the mirror was like very lodged into the wall. And then I didn't have anything to cover it with. So I was just laying there, like, terrified. And then it rang again at freaking 1.40 a.m. My God. So Nick finally gets back at 2 a.m. And, like, once he gets back, nothing. It never happens again. Until 
The next morning, I leave at 8.30 to go get my hair done with my sister and all the girls. And Nick said, the second I left the room, the second I left the room, the phone rang. Oh, my God. And it was the same thing. (laughs) Ooh, 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 ooh. This is so creepy. Because at first when you were talking about it, because you texted me and you're like, the phone keeps ringing. And I was like, oh, Sabrina's alone in the room. It's a super haunted place. Like the whole town, the whole area has this energy about it. And I was thinking because you get so many experiences and encounters in your dreams that perhaps one of your relatives or a loved one or or someone was trying to make contact with you in real life, but it was just the most amount of effort that they could do in real life. But the fact that you're unsettled and the fact that it – I don't like that it just kind of like did it. It feels mock like mockery. It's like almost like, hey, you're about to fall asleep. I'm going to wake you up. Yeah. And then as soon as you leave to – it feels like it's announcing your departure. Like, yeah. Or like, haha, she's gone. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. That afternoon after my sister got married, we like took photos and then we went back to the hotel before going to dinner. And when we got back, it did the same thing. It rang. Like it almost was like announcing our arrivals and departures and like didn't want us to sleep. But it didn't do anything that night. Maybe it's because I was a little, a little drunk. But it was weird. And then so we went from a haunted hotel to the haunted town that I grew up going to, Cape May. I'm repping mm-hmm. it right now. We're in a sweatshirt. says Cape May right across. Uh-huh. You guys have heard me talk about it before. I did a whole episode about it. And I grew up going there. But I've never, ever, ever experienced anything haunting there. But we did walk down Jackson Street, which is the street that people have, like, said to time travel on. And I was joking with my family. I was like, we all have to go one by one if we don't want this to happen. But um, <laughs> we walked together. <laughs> no, I kind of <laughs> wanted you to time travel because people – I assume come back. Yeah. Just a quick blip in order to say that they time traveled. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never experienced anything there. It's just a really, really fun old town. And I have so much nostalgia there. So I feel like it already has that like energy to it. Just like being there gives me Mm -hmm. like a vibe. But I think that's just called nostalgia. Anyway, it was really, really fun. Did anyone else have anything spooky or pick up on different vibes in the area? No, no. Um, I did text my dad, though, when I was experiencing the hauntings in the hotel, and he goes, embrace it. And I was like, excuse me. Embrace it. That's not the advice I want from the guy who, like, sees all the ghosts. I know. And gets possessed by them. They speak through him. Well, maybe that was the ghost speaking through him. (laughs) That's true. But just the setting of it, too, sounds scarier. Because when you walk into a place that's all filled with antiques and is really – ornate it's so beautiful during the daytime but then as soon as the sun goes down and the lights aren't super bright it's so it it turns from beautiful to so creepy yeah yeah but i survived you did you survived paranormal encounter (laughs) you lived to tell the tale i lived to tell the tale um i was like laughing at myself though because i was like just because it's been so long since i've had any experience Mm -hmm. that you know we can talk about it all we want and yeah we get a little scared but there's there's a scared of talking about it and then there's a scared of experiencing it and i was like oh my gosh i'm such a little chicken like how (laughs) i was like trying to like deal with it but then i couldn't help but laugh at myself because i was like wow you're such a scaredy cat (laughs) did you ever consider unplugging the phone uh, yes, I, I did, but I was very scared that if I unplugged it and it rang, I would have lost it. <laughs> or if you had unplugged it, they would have moved on to manipulate something yeah. else, gotten a little closer to show it's their presence. No, I left it plugged in. All right, good call. Just let it play with the phone. <laughs> Here, 
Exactly. Be distracted right here. Don't move on anywhere else. Well, now that you guys have heard my encounter, we're going to read your encounters. Yes, we are. Yeah, we are. Cause that's, a, this is, that is, this is that episode. <laughs> this is that and that is this and this and this and that. And this is us. Oh, oh, I love that show. <laughs> Um, I believe you started first last episode, but I just talked for so long. So I don't know. I'm, I'm indifferent. What do you want to do? Okay. I can do, I I can start off with a shorter one. So then you get to talk again soon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way that we, we balance the episodes. This is us. This is us. And this is Brittany. It's called Encounters, a glitch in the matrix, maybe. Hi, my name is Brittany, and I've always been fascinated with the paranormal ever since I was a little one. I just started listening to your podcast back in October, and I literally can't stop. Y'all are seriously amazing and make my work days so much better. I have a ton of things that I've experienced, but here's just a short one. When I was younger, I lived in my Nana's house with my mom. Even though my Nana was the first person to own that home, I've had a ton of weird things happen there. From waking up in the middle of the night to turn my small isolating fan off just for the button to be pressed down and the little pull-up thing on the back that makes it isolate. I don't know if I explained that right or if you know what I'm talking about, but it was pulled up after I had pushed it down. And I've also seen my old dog Daisy in our kitchen in the middle of the night after the week that she'd passed in that same kitchen. Something I will never forget, though, is what happened to my Nana. My Nana is the type that plays jokes and tries to scare you. She would always hide in a corner and wait for me to pass so that she could jump out and yell, boo, and scare the hell out of me. (laughs) And I guess that's where I get it from now. (laughs) But let's just say that I'm a very hard person to scare because I've become immune to it. But anyways, one night, my Nana was walking down the hallway and it was nighttime. So the light in the hallway was on, but not the front room or the dining room. I went to follow her because I thought, oh, she's going to hide. Well, just to give you a little visual, the front room is to the right The living room is to the left and the hallway is in the middle of the two. So there's no way out of the front room besides to the front door. And you would have to go back through the hallway entry. Well, I'm right behind her and I see her look back at me in her pink robe. She always wears to bed and quickly turn into the front room. I laughed and went in right after her expecting for her to jump out of her hiding spot and try to scare me. But no, I was scared in a whole new way because I went into that front room and she was just gone. I turned on the light and I tried to look everywhere in the room, but she was not there. And this room is not big at all. So there's really nowhere for her to hide. And I was terrified. I knew I had just seen her go into the front room. I was just behind her. I looked in the dining room. I flipped on the lights. She wasn't there. So I ran to the living room, which was across the house in the back. And she was sitting there watching her shows. And I asked her how she got there because I just saw her go through the front room and she looked at me like I was crazy. Usually if she's joking, she can't keep a straight face and she will start to smirk or laugh. So I'll know when she's lying, but she wasn't. She looked confused as hell and I was scared as hell. I stayed in the living room for a while after that, scared to go back to my room thinking, what the heck was that then? It's something that I seriously will never stop thinking about. Like, what the actual fluff was it? I will always (laughs) have so many questions. It still really freaks me out. That's one of my many stories. I love hearing other people's stories, and you guys tell everything so well and keep me interested. Y'all are awesome. From Brittany. Wow. That is really spooky. It's like a ghost knew that her and her nana played this kind of game. And so 
took on the impression of her Nana in order to like lure her into this room. Yeah, that's what's creepy because so Brittany titled this A Glitch in the Matrix maybe. But Brittany, my question for you is when this normally happens, have you ever caught your Nana going into a hiding place? And if so, does she really glance back at you to make sure you're still following her into the room? I don't know. This whole thing just, yeah, it totally seems like she was being lured into a room. Or, okay, because nothing happened when she was lured into the room, I do wonder if the house just holds this energy and, like, this is a playful thing that they did a lot. So, like, there's, like, a residual energy of it. And so she was, Mm. like, following a past memory. Yeah. Oh. But if it is a residual energy, that means that there's a possibility that her Nana could also see herself going to hide. Like, truly see your own doppelganger. Curious. I don't know. I feel at least my knowledge of residual hauntings is I view them as something that happens like time and time again. And the energy that's in this space is not an intelligent energy. It's moving about the same pattern over and over again. It's not diverting from that path. So to make eye contact, that seems that to me, that seems like it wouldn't happen. Unless it was something that happened before. Like if she did look back, I mean, like Thinking about how playful this relationship is, it is possible that the Nana would, like, look back and check to make sure no one was following her Mm. so that she could properly scare Brittany or, you know, I could see that being in the realm of possibility. Okay. Okay, so maybe it's not as terrifying (laughs) as it kind of feels like it could be. It is super unsettling. And I am curious what the other experiences Brittany's had there because – that might give us more clues into, is it benign? Is it a good thing? Or is there something a little bit more, you know, negative? I don't know. Right. We'll have to, we'll have to report back. We'll follow up and report back. Hide and seek is scary enough. You don't need ghosts playing it with you. No, that's like why anytime we get a subject line, that's like hide and seek with a ghost. I'm like clicking. I need to read it because it's terrifying. When I was younger, I'd play it with my dog and it was so scary. With your dog? I'd just go hide and then we'd pound our feet on the ground so that he would know that we were somewhere that he didn't know. Oh my gosh. It was so – he would be – it was – it's terrifying to play with a dog. (laughs) Ghosts probably more. Yeah. Okay. What do you have for us? I have a story from N and it is called The Hereditary Witches of North Georgia. Ooh. Where to begin? I'm such a huge fan of the show and religiously listen to every upload. After listening for so long, I decided it was finally time to share my story. Everything starts with my great-grandmother, who for the sake of this podcast, we will just call M. She lived on a secluded farm in the North Georgia mountains, and I have so many fond memories of going to visit her as a child. One of M's favorite things to do was to tell ghost stories. She had countless encounters with the paranormal for her entire life and had many superstitions she believed in. Lavender at your doorstep for luck, mugwort under your pillow for prophetic dreams, pennies in the corners of your home for monetary gain, and so on. Oh, we should try all these. I know. What I did not realize until the week after she passed away was that these were not silly superstitions of hers. They were methods of witchcraft. And it went so much deeper than I had ever originally thought. She used to tell me of all the experiences the other women in her family had too. As a child, it never struck me as odd that the women were the only ones who seemingly had encounters with the other side. But looking back on it, I have a much clearer understanding of why. Two women that M discussed frequently were her two aunts that lived together in an old house on the other side of the farm. 
I never knew them as they had passed away when my mother was 12. The house that M's aunt lived in was notoriously haunted, and on many occasions, M recounted the odd things she saw and experienced there. Her aunts were so afraid of what lived in the house that they boarded up the staircase that led to the top floor, which is where most of the activity occurred, and lived only on the main level of the house for 10 years. Whoa. I distinctly remember M laughing and referring to her aunts as batty old witches, which brings us back to the week after my great-grandmother died. As we were looking through her belongings and sorting out what items went to what family member, I stumbled upon a chest in the back of M's closet. Upon opening the chest, a note was resting on top of all the objects in the box. It read the following, Carry magic with you always, and may fear never follow. Look to the sky for answers, and your heart shall not be hollow. You could say that 14-year-old me was effectively shook. The chest was full of candles, rocks, crystals, charms, herbs, and a journal. The journal was full of things I didn't understand at the time, but it was written as if she was trying to instruct someone else, not just log her own thoughts and practices. I dreamt of M that night, and in the dream we were walking toward the house that her aunts had lived in, and no one said anything in the dream, but it was clear to me what my great-grandmother was trying to say. My heart is racing as I write this because it isn't something I discuss with anyone outside of the women in my family. It became abruptly clear to me that night that my great-grandmother had been a witch, and so were her aunts, and so was her daughter, and so was my mother, and so was I. I confronted my mother about what I had realized, and we had a conversation that seemed to last for hours about what all this meant and where I was supposed to go from there. What the woman in my great-grandmother's family practice isn't exactly like Wicca, because anyone can be Wiccan, but a lot of our craft stems from the Wiccan traditions. What we have is a hereditary gift— And although none of us are sure how it began, it feels ancient. We all get together every year on Samhain, Halloween, and honor the women and witches who came before us. I hope you enjoyed my story, ladies, and I can't wait to see you on the other side. Lots of love, N. N's living my dream. Okay, she's living Halloween town. Yes, I was literally about to say, like, she's Marnie. She finds out she's a witch. Her whole family is. She has all these powers. Oh, my goodness. And also, what a beautiful message. Carry magic with you always and may fear never follow. Look to the skies for answers and your heart shall never be hollow. It's beautiful. I, if I ever got a tattoo, that is what I would want it to say. <laughs> it is very, very sweet. I wow. It's amazing. I'm, I have so many questions now. I want to know what your powers are, what your abilities are. Yes. What you've done, what your experiences are. How did you after this day then like embrace your powers? I'm so curious. Right. How did you get your start? Because I think Sabrina and I think that we might have powers too and we want to know. How <laughs> Still waiting that. for my letter for Hogwarts. I know. Wow. This mm-hmm. is so cool. And it's it's so interesting that everything was magical was sort of around her always, but she didn't quite ever make the full connection that it was a familial hereditary thing that was being passed down. Yeah. She just was like, oh, these certain family members are eccentric. The fact – I mean, it also reminds me of – um, ooh, what's the movie? Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman – Practical magic, where they're like living in that house together. The fact that they like boarded up the upstairs because they were scared of what was happening up there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if these people are scared of what's happening, I will believe. I believe that. And I don't want to go. Yeah. I don't want to go there either. Then. No, but I would be curious. I am curious. And have you ever been up there? So many follow up questions. Yes. Need to know. Need to know. My mind is. I can't even see. I don't even, I can't even talk anymore. It's just <laughs> racing. 
I want your life. Yeah. <laughs> and then they like, can travel. Maybe they can like find their ancestral line and like travel across the world to trace it back to where the origin is. Alrighty. This is from our listener, Carly. It's called A Jealous Poltergeist and Sexy Jonathan Frakes. Oh. <laughs> Greetings, spookalicious ladies. Massive fan here, borderline obsessed, bringing you my listener stories from across the pond. I feel that this story is just too fucking good to not tell you, (laughs) and it's truly a cautionary tale. I probably think about this on a weekly basis, because as a child who was drawn to the spooky side of shit, this both intrigued and terrified me. I'm sure the family who experienced this wouldn't mind me telling their story, but just in case they do, I've changed their names and some details, but feel free to use my name. This could be long. Okay, picture this. It's the late 90s in a small seaside town in the northeast of England. I'm around seven years old, deep into my Spice Girls phase, Aladdin VHS type on constant repeat. My favorite TV show happened to be on way past my bedtime, and if there's any chance of me watching it, I have to sit there like a statue, letting the sofa engulf me, hoping my mom didn't notice that I was still awake watching a wildly inappropriate TV show for a (laughs) child with an overactive imagination. This show was called Strange But True, and fortunately, it was presented by a dusty old dry SOB and not the fine slice of pie that was the 90s Jonathan Frakes. But essentially, it was eyewitness accounts and reconstructions of paranormal and unexplained events. You know what lights my fire? Stories of workmen seeing a circle of children in the dead of night singing ring a ring of roses a song about the plague, and then just poof, disappearing into nothing. But I digress. This story isn't supposed to be about me. At this point, my mom is a single working mom, but she has a great group of friends around her to support her, and one of those friends is Emma. Emma is a single mom, and she has two boys one a year younger than me, called Lee, and the other about three years old, called Dylan. They lived five minutes from the beach on a row of terrace houses. I don't know if you have terrace houses in America, but it's basically a house that shares its side walls with another house. This is important, I promise. And side note, in America, that's either townhouse or duplex. The area has a rich history, having been inhabited since the 6th century. It gained popularity in the early 1800s as a health resort for Victorian city dwellers to come and escape the pollution and take in the sea air. It is around this time that the area had a population boom and Emma's house was built. Skip forward a few hundred years and Emma's off away on a hen party weekend, which for people in America is a bachelorette party. Her boys are staying with their dad and she's away from home, so ready to let loose and enjoy herself. And on the last day, they're all nursing a killer hangover and decided to skip another night on the town and just stay in. At some point during the night, one bridesmaid, well and truly fucked up, suggested that they play with a Ouija board. Oh no! Well, they don't have one with them, so they decide to make one out of paper. They dim the lights, and instead of everyone placing their fingers on the planchette, they use a whiskey glass. The details of what happened at this point are a little shaky for me, as I've only been told this story twice, once when I was still young and actually overheard Emma telling my mom what happened, and the other when I was a teenager and I asked my mom to tell me again. Out of everything she retold me, this part bothered me the least. It was the rest of what happened, which is soldered to my brain for eternity. But the main takeaway I got from this part was just don't do it, girl. It's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all asking questions and nothing is happening. You know, generic stuff. Is there anyone there? Move the glass. Show yourself. And then Emma introduces herself to the board and asks the question, can you see us? 
and the glass moves slightly, but she thinks it's just one of the girls messing around, and so she laughs and she carries on. She then asks, do we know you? And the glass moves to no. At this point, they're all looking at each other suspiciously and agree to only gently rest their fingers on the glass. Some are barely touching it when the glass begins to move again, and they're all pretty spooked and everyone removes their hands. The way Emma tells this part is that she's not entirely sure what happened, if it was the motion of the people moving their hand away or not, but she was the only one left touching the glass and it slid across the table away from her and fell on the floor. They were all super freaked out and so they stopped playing, but they didn't say goodbye and they didn't put the paper in the glass Oh, no. I'll let you ladies explain why. That's a bad idea. The weekend finishes, and they all go their separate ways, and Emma heads back home. Several weeks pass. Up until this point, she'd never experienced anything in the house before, and she wasn't a particularly spiritual person. But once things started, it escalated quickly, and there is no denying that something was going on. This is when she confided in my mom, and boy, oh boy, did she (gasps) spill some tea. Oh, no! You know when a dog or cat just stares off into a corner like they're looking at something? Or your kid points and laughs at absolutely nothing and you pray to bejesus that it's actually absolutely (laughs) nothing? Well, it's your worst fear realized because Dylan, Emma's youngest son, started to do exactly that. She would hear him talking, and at first she thought it was just an imaginary friend or he was chatting to himself, but his mannerisms were like he was actually speaking to someone beside him. He would hold up his toys like he was trying to pass them to someone. He would wave. He would point and giggle at doorways or corners of the room. And when he was a little older, he would openly talk about him. And once when I was there, Lee asked Dylan to draw a picture of what he looked like. I watched him pick up a black crayon only, draw a stick figure of a man that looked like he had a flat cap on his head, and a figure next to him who I assumed was Dylan himself. The family dog, who was pushing 10 and up until that point had given zero fucks about anything, straight up refused to go into the dining room or upstairs. Emma soon began to notice things would not be where she'd left them or things would go missing for days and just appear in random places. Emma said it had gotten to a place where she definitely felt a presence, that when the kids were at school... And she was alone in the house. She didn't feel completely alone. This gradually manifested and she would see shadows out of the corner of her eye and hear talking in other parts of the house. She said she spent the majority of the time trying to rationalize what was happening. Maybe it was the neighbors. Maybe she was overtired. But as unsettling as it is, she never felt threatened. But that eventually changed. Oh, no. There was probably a lot of day-to-day activity that she had just become accustomed to that she didn't tell us about, but here's some of the big stuff. Emma had been single for a while, and when she met someone and he started coming to the house and staying the night, the atmosphere changed. She said pretty much straight away the house started to get noisy. Even when she was alone, she would hear banging on the walls. Sometimes it sounded like furniture was being moved around, but she would check and everything looked normal. One Christmas, it was the dad's turn to have the kids. So Christmas Eve, she was alone with her and her then boyfriend. And they came down in the morning to find a tin of quality streets open on the floor. This is slapping British chocolate, by the way. (laughs) I want to eat some. Yeah, I'm hungry. And about 10 individually wrapped chocolate had been unwrapped and rubbed into the carpet. Oh. On another occasion, she was making herself a cup of tea. How British. And (laughs) she put her mug on the counter and walked away. When she came back, there was a small knife that sat (gasps) in her mug, blade pointing upwards, and she started to feel watched when she was trying to sleep. Oh, my gosh. Oh. When she was dating this guy, the aggressive activity continued. 
Emma ended up contacting a medium, and she didn't tell him anything other than she wanted the house cleansed. Personally, I'm sometimes skeptical of mediums. I've spent my teen years believing that Derek Akira, ex-professional football player turned medium and most haunted presenter, uh, was the real deal. Turns out he wasn't. So until someone proves me wrong, I'm still skeptical. But Emma said that when he arrived, he identified a male energy straight away and that it had attached itself to Emma. He straight up asked her if she'd ever attempted to make contact with the dead, to which she replied, er, um, uh, yeah. And she explained what had happened that night with the Ouija board. He then explained that a cleanse would probably do nothing, that the energy seemed pretty protective, attached to her, not the house, and furthermore, that this spirit wasn't alone. He explained that the increase in energy had awakened another spirit that was attached to the house. Oh, that's so creepy. And that it was the spirit of a young boy. I think that picture Dylan drew for us that day was actually of the man and the boy, not himself. The medium apparently did a cleanse for the child spirit and told her to contact the church for further help should she need it. Emma didn't think that the cleanse did anything. And here's where it gets a little interesting. Unbeknownst to Emma, in the time that she'd been experiencing peak activity, so had her neighbors. For them, it was more like poltergeist activity around the house. Doors slamming, knocking, bathroom taps turning on and off. I genuinely feel that there's so much energy going on that it slipped over to the next door because all that separated them was one wall. Fun fact, they ended up putting up her house for sale and moving solely for that reason. Oh my gosh. This super active period lasted a few years. We would visit them two, three times a week, and it got to the point where I didn't want to go. I was afraid to go upstairs to the toilet. I was afraid to be left alone in a room. I was a little older by then and very aware of what was going on. I don't believe I personally experienced anything. Emma's older son, Lee, didn't either for many years, and he actually didn't believe any of it until one day Emma asked him to take the washing basket upstairs and leave it on her bed. He walked upstairs, crossed the landing, and opened her bedroom door, and standing in front of Emma's bed was a man. He turned, he looked right at Lee, and then he disappeared. No, thank you. I would have yeeted my Spice World t-shirt wearing arse right out of there. (laughs) But Lee did actually wet himself and then asked to go stay at his dad's for a while. Oh my gosh. My mom, on the other hand, did experience something. She was a hairdresser and was at Emma's house coloring her hair. And they were in the dining room and apparently my mom was shouting at Emma about something, but like in a joking way. But she was raising her voice at her, and the hairdryer, unplugged, on the dining room table, flew across the room and hit my mom in the arm. Oh, my god! My mom screams because, A, it scared the shit out of her, and B, because it hurt. And Emma turned to my mom, laughs, and says, that's what you get for shouting at me. Insert dead emoji. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap this story up, Emma eventually finds out the name of the male spirit. One night before bed, she asks his name and places a piece of paper, a pen, and a Bible on the bottom of the stairs. When she wakes up in the morning, she checks the paper, and it's empty. But when she goes to pick up the Bible, she notices that some of the page corners have been folded over on the Gospel of John. So from then on, she starts calling him John. And she looked into the history of the house and couldn't find anything related to a John, though I suspect he isn't connected to the house. She also looked for information on the death of the small boy and didn't find anything concrete, but personally, I don't think you have to die somewhere to reside there. Eventually, things quieted down. There'd be some times where there would be no activity whatsoever, and then a spike. As her boys got older, that also seemed to decrease activity, too. Emma moved in 2018, and I don't know if she still experiences anything related to John, as over 20 years have passed, and my mom lost contact with her. But 
listening to her firsthand account as a child in my mom's weekly updates made me a true believer. And whenever I walk past the house now, not at all scary from the outside, I glance up into the window and I wonder if they're all still in there. So there it is, guys. Don't forget to say goodbye when playing with the Ouija board. Do pay attention if your beloved pets are paying attention to absolutely nothing of attention. And don't bring a man home and expect your jealous overprotective ghost to welcome him. (laughs) But if all else fails, do stay spooky. Thank you for reading my story, Carly. Wow. I have, okay, I have so many thoughts. Because the fact that the house next door was experiencing all that poltergeist activity Mm -hmm. makes me wonder if the ghost came from their place and it was spilling over into into Emma's, right? Because I don't, you don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure that Emma and her family was experiencing a ton, but it sounds like they had two spirits, right? Like the little boy and John, who was more of a protective, throwing a hair dryer, maybe, maybe. A little too much in the protectiveness, but through a hairdryer at mm-hmm. Carly's mom and, you know, was around very present. But what if the little boy came from the house next door? And also, what if there is a third spirit? What if there is a poltergeist that yeah, just straight true. up was on the other side of, of this shared home and that maybe the presence of John both awakened this little boy's spirit and also this poltergeist because there was someone else that came in that they weren't prepared for. They'd been just living (laughs) dormant before in this home, this property that's been used from the, since the sixth century. Yeah. And now John shook everything up. So many possibilities. Or what if the little boy is the poltergeist? Well, that's what I was thinking too, because little kids, I feel like I don't know. Poltergeists, I feel like, are very confusing. We we just did a whole episode about them. But yes. I do also feel like poltergeists are very aligned with children in mm-hmm. the way that, you know, they kind of can throw temper tantrums. They also run around like crazy, like the zoomies, and they have, just have a lot of energy in a way that, you know, old fart me does not. <laughs> so I don't know. It's curious. Yeah. And also the other thing, I think you're bringing up a good point too, because in thinking about how children behave and an interaction with a poltergeist, it usually starts out somewhat benign with a poltergeist trying to lure a child in, but then it escalates to be really, really aggressive. But this didn't happen. Dylan was right. three and when he first made contact with these spirits, but the whole time he was trying to play and he was trying to hang out and he was giggling and laughing and pointing and waving. Th- there was no escalating period, at least from what Carly, t- I think, has been told and then right. retold us. Except for the knife in the in the tea. That is really scary. That Yeah, that is pretty scary. Did I ever tell you when we were growing up, um, not the haunted house we grew up in, but the house that we lived in like before I went to college, nothing really happened there. But as we were moving out, my mom found like a belt and a really freaking massive knife on the top of one of our closets, like as if someone had like stored it there for later. <gasps> oh, did you have someone living in your walls? Well, yeah, it's either that or my brother did that. We know to this day, we have no idea. Your brother would not have done that. That's so weird. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we have no idea. We have no answers. Also, wasn't he young? Would he be able to climb up there? He probably could have like brought a chair or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like the combination of those two things is really weird. Yeah, that's really weird. That that gives me real like, uh, like BTK, right? Or 
Golden State Killer. There was this, I'm forgetting his name, but there was one serial killer who was caught in Alaska and was executed. Or no, he ended up taking his own life in, in jail. Um, so they didn't get as many answers as they wanted from him. But he killed uh, basically like a, a couple, an older couple from the neighboring town to where I grew up in Vermont. And he had oh. traveled there a year ahead of time, buried a kill kit. And then went back later when he wanted to act on his urges. So it was very premeditated, but he didn't do it in the moment. And then he unburied his kill kit and then went and found who he wanted to murder. That is horrifying. So it's like the idea of stashing something to then use when you feel when the moment's right to inflict ugh. pain. That it, and, ugh, it's disturbing. And also just like finding a knife somewhere where it doesn't belong. Like it just, yeah. there's something super malicious about it i'm also if it if this is the same spirit or poltergeist i'm just really curious what was happening on the other side of the wall that made the interactions with emma protective and at at times questionable and with her children or or with her youngest child uh sweet but then Mm -hmm. made all the interactions with the people on the other side horrifying right like the rattling of the house and knocking and everything i don't know or maybe, ooh, okay, this is a theory that's coming out of nowhere and has no scientific fact behind it, as nor does any. I know. I was like, are we, is that what we're known for here? <laughs> <laughs> this is a science podcast. Okay. I previously just said about how, like, what if the ghost was in the neighbor's house and it, like, echoed into theirs? But what if there was so much happening in Emma's house with her family and all the different spirits that it was like sending off a residual like – like almost you know how like a sound wave travels? Mm. Like it was sending an echo into the neighbor's house and they were just having like the backlash of it, which is like the knocking and the lights turning on and off. It's just like the excess of energy needed oh, to be output somewhere. That's really interesting. That almost reminds me – this doesn't – it's going to sound like how the fuck did you just draw this parallel, correct? <laughs> but it's almost reminding me of like Twilight. Like if – if this guy, John, was Edward and he's trying to be really nice towards uh, Kristen Stewart because he loves her, but then he has to take out all of, his, all of his bad somewhere else and he still goes and like eats people on the side. So what if this poltergeist is like, I'm in love with Emma and I need to be kind to her, her, to her son. But then on the flip side, it's just like, oh, I've been nice all day. I need to take out my rage. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Like that's what, also what you're kind of saying. Uh, kinda. <laughs> that's how it. That's how it popped up in my brain. Wow, I love the inner workings of your brain. <laughs> I like yours too. <laughs> oh man, this is from Celia, and it is called "A Curse I Tell You," or maybe just devilish bad luck. Hey, ghoulies, I've been binging your podcast since September 2020, and I am totally in love with it. I lost my job because of COVID early last year, so I've been delivering food for DoorDash, and I drive all day long, so I'm grateful I have your lovely voices to keep me company. Okay, here's the tea. Since before I was ever born, I've had terrible luck, and I'm convinced someone put a curse on my mom while she was pregnant with me, but of course, my mom doesn't believe it. A little backstory. In my long 21 years of life, I feel like I've experienced at least five full lifetimes. To preface, my mom and I have similar psychic abilities. We're both empaths and are claircognizant. I don't know if we share more abilities because she's never told me specifically what she can and cannot sense. 
I think I'm clairsentient as well, but sometimes feelings get muffled when I'm experiencing them, so it might just be grouped in with claircognizance. Anywho, I'm sure I've had a curse set on me when my mom was pregnant with me because since my very birth, I've had countless near-death experiences. When I was two, I wandered into the street somehow and was almost hit by a car. When I was five or six, I was nearly swept away by a rip current in a place where rip currents rarely occurred. Luckily, my mom dove in the ocean and dragged me back to shore. When I was seven, a creepy man in Target tried to kidnap me, but luckily I got a bad feeling and called him yucky and ran away. When I was nine, I was actually kidnapped. When I was 12, I was walking down the hallway of my haunted house, and as I turned into the living room, I felt a pushing motion and I tripped on seemingly nothing in front of me. When I was lifted two feet in the air and missed hitting my head on the corner of the brick fireplace by less than an inch. Thank goodness I only broke one toe instead of my entire head because, well, that would have been a real bummer. I don't know if our resident ghost decided to throw me across the room, but I know for a fact I could not have jumped two feet in the air. Okay, so those are just a few examples of why I think I'm cursed. I have countless other stories of danger and peril, but since I don't think I'll find a way to reverse the curse or even find a way to prove I'm cursed in the first place, I'm going to tell you some hauntingly unsettling tales of my ghostly encounters. We moved from California to Georgia in 2014, and the house we moved into was undoubtedly haunted. I'm going to list the most prominent tales and theories I have, but I also have so many, so I'll write another email again soon. The minute I walked into our new house, I knew something was off. The room I was going to move into was all the way at the end of a long hallway, sharing a wall with the guest room, which I'm pretty sure had a portal in it but we'll get to that later. My closet doors were sliding mirrors, which is already unsettling because when it gets dark at night, only darkness is reflected and shadows from anything and everything bounce around the room like a spirit after party. Yikes. So the first night there, I had horrible nightmares, which wasn't unusual because since I was a wee tater tot of a child, I had nightmares nearly every night. But these were specific to the house. And I thought it was strange since it was only the first night we spent there. I chalked it up to just being nervous in unfamiliar surroundings. But starting the very next day, the feelings just got worse and worse. My mom and sister and I started finding little objects that didn't belong all over the house. It wasn't a terribly large house, but it had two stories. So we had quite a bit of cleaning and organizing to do. I found random stickers stuck on doorknobs, bits of paper in places that didn't have paper pieces before. Random things that could be easily written off, but seemed like they were purposely left there for someone to find. Fast forward a few years, I'm cooking on the stove, and my mom is on the opposite side of the kitchen with her back facing me, making her lunch for work the next day. The pot I was using had just started simmering, and the pot cover was flipped handle side down on the counter about 10 inches away. I turned away from the stove to grab a mixing spoon, and all of a sudden I hear metal clang. I turn around, completely startled. And the pot cover was now on top of the pot, which suddenly came to a roaring boil. I looked at my mom, and she was still three feet away from the stove, and I hadn't heard her take any steps. So I asked her, did she put the cover on my pot? And why'd she slam it down so hard like that? And she had no idea what I was talking about, and she didn't hear anything. My mustard-covered mom took a look at the pot and took the cover off, only to feel the handle was freezing cold. So I decided not to eat any haunted pasta and made a sandwich instead. (laughs) That's that's really weird. Yeah. About a week after the haunted pasta incident, I was in my room getting ready for bed when my sister knocked on my wall 
in a terribly distressed manner. We shared a wall and we would knock on it if we needed each other. I opened my door to go see what she wanted when I started hearing faint music grow louder and louder. I walked into her room and she asked me to turn down the music, but when I said I wasn't playing any, we both got very concerned. We walked out of her room to investigate and the music got louder, but it stayed at a steady volume. It was coming from the guest room. Plot twist, we had no guests at that time. My sister, afraid of anything paranormal, told me to go in there and turn it off. So, like a good big sister, I swallowed my nervous feelings and put one foot in the doorway of the guest room, and as soon as I took a full step in, the music started blasting at full volume. And of course, I jumped because I didn't even think it could get that loud. The music was coming from the radio clock on the bedside table. But the most frightening thing about this story is not that the music started playing in an empty room. It's that my mom had a particular radio clock since the 90s, and around 2014, we moved to the haunted house. The alarm and radio stopped working entirely. When I walked over to that clock, my heart fell straight through the floor because the sound dial was already turned off. So there was no logical way any sound should have been coming through the clock at all. Not to mention that the alarm and radio system hadn't worked for about four years at this point. So, still jumping out of my skin, I ran out of there and closed the door behind me as fast as I could, And since then, we've kept the door to the guest room closed. Fast forward about a year later, my best friend was over and we're just hanging out in my bedroom when we start telling ghost stories and trying to figure out what the heck was happening at my house. Trying to be funny, she started talking to the ghost and said something like, if there are real spirits here, give us a sign, which I knew was a bad idea. A minute later, we walk across my room to get my crystals when my friend screams, what did I just step on? So I sit her down on my bed and look at her foot with a flashlight, and there's a small, perfect circle hole on the bottom of her foot. No, I vacuumed and cleaned that morning, so there's no way something sharp could have been on my floor. I said, maybe the ghost got mad at you? We should probably apologize for antagonizing them. And she told the ghost she was sorry, and she respects their presence, and just as fast as it appeared, the small hole injury on her foot vanished without a trace. We were both stunned and a little spooked, so we left the house and got ice cream to cheer her up. My friend is a little clairvoyant and into the paranormal like me, and when she was over, we were trying to figure out what was going on with my haunted house because there were different energies every day. Through some magical psychic powers we shared, we came to the conclusion that there were three resident ghosts. A man, a woman, and a little boy, not related to each other, but that had just been stuck at the house in different points at time. We had also concluded that the guest room and my bedroom housed a portal. The wall I shared with the guest room had my two large mirror closet doors on one side, and on the other side in the guest room was a giant wall mirror. If anyone is unfamiliar with portals, oftentimes they get formed in water or mirrors because I guess they can easily conduct energy. The portal was like a train station for the spirit world. Any type of spirit or demon could pass through at any time. Luckily, I left that house and now live with my boyfriend who doesn't really believe in the paranormal, but I'm slowly converting him. I'm like 99% sure he has some psychic ability because he tells me about the same feelings and experiences I have when I see the future or get a bad feeling. Luckily, his house is not haunted, but when I moved in with him, I started getting intense visions of horrifying creatures. It wasn't just something I would see in my head. Like if I was looking at a wall or a fairly blank surface, a moving image of a demon like monsters would just appear out of nowhere. Ooh. One night, I saw something so terrifying, I started crying when I was explaining it to my boyfriend, which never happens. I hardly cry, ever, nor have I gotten so scared like that in almost a decade, and I didn't know how to stop it. Those images of these creatures are burned in my memory forever, and I can't seem to forget about them. But it's fine. I distract myself with my cat. (laughs) 
Anyway, ladies, I'll leave the tales at that for now. This email is eternally long. I have so many more stories of spooky encounters, some at Lake Lanier too, but I'll write those in another time. If you want to share this email and encounters episode or anywhere else, that would be rad. Maybe you guys have some advice or ideas of what was going down in my haunted Georgia house. Thanks for reading. Here's my baby boy. His name is Baxter. He has about seven middle names my boyfriend made up, but neither of us can remember what they are. LOL. Celia. <laughs> and we have the picture of the cat. Oh. So goofy. His tongue is out. Oh, Baxter. He's like eyes winking. Love him. <laughs> okay. I'm very disturbed by her friend stepping and a perfect circle hole appearing at the bottom of her foot. And then disappearing when she apologized. Yeah. And the fact that it hurt her, it wasn't just like, a oh, what's that mark on you? And you're like, oh, I don't know. How did I get that? It it inflicted pain. Pain. And a visual pain representation of what it just did and then was able to take it away. Yeah. It's also weird because – okay, I'm just thinking of this because the way that – Celia was saying that they would find all these like pieces of paper and random things all over the house that just mm-hmm. weren't there before. It makes me think like of something coming out from un- from the floor, like through <gasps> the floorboards up, you know? Ooh. Ooh. That's so creepy. And it so feels like Stranger Things when they come from, <laughs> from the upside down and there's like debris kind of floating around. Oh. That's disturbing. Very. Anything that crawls up or down or sideways, crawling is just – freaking creepy very 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 i hate it i don't like it either i'm curious about the haunted pasta though like oh the handle of the pot was freezing code it's that yeah that's weird especially because she said it it came to a roaring boil quite quickly as well which makes me think like the ghost was holding the handle (gasps) when her mom touched it they held hands oh for a moment they touched they touched wow i don't know i mean maybe a ghost is just trying to help cook it's very particular about the way you make pasta perhaps but i think yeah i don't know the fact that this thing is not just it's not just her and her boyfriend or her mom it's friends it's it's everybody like there's everyone no one is safe no one is particular i mean maybe people certain people are particularly targeted but i don't want to go sorry celia i don't want to go here (laughs) well luckily she doesn't live there anymore i am also curious about the demons that she's seeing I mean, it sounds like mm-hmm. Celia is very open to the paranormal, and she said her and her mom share a lot of psychic abilities. So, like, I right. wonder if because she's so in tune with that world, if there are darker energies kind of circulating her on the periphery. I feel like there's a lot of bad things that are surrounding Celia, like she was kidnapped when she was younger. She's had experiences at Lake Lanier, which is notorious for basically murdering people the lake the ghosts grab people's ankles and bring them down and kill them so and then this big long haunting and seeing demons and oh my goodness i feel like i think celia is more powerful than she knows and would benefit probably from understanding some not that i i understand any of it so i'm not the person to give the advice but some protection techniques yeah or also maybe because maybe she hasn't fully tapped into her abilities yet and that's why these darker entities are trying to like prevent her from getting there Mm. because they know that if she taps into her abilities she'll be able to overpower and overthrow all the dark energy in the world hey it's possible celia's what if she's supreme she's grand (gasps) supreme supreme she's rising to take the throne wow i'll bow down (laughs) me too okay 
All right. I have one. This is called the thing at the bottom of the stairs, pyramid scheme, theme suggestion, and cat tax. <laughs> and this is from Kay. Hi. Love it all. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite yes. so far. <laughs> so good. I love it. Oh. <sighs> This is a bit long, but I promise it's worth it for the picture of the kitty cat. (laughs) So my family and I moved into a brand new house in a very yuppie subdivision when I was 10. I don't remember very much of the first two years that we were there because I managed to break my femur skiing. Seriously, I'm talented. So I was more or less confined to the main floor for a year while I relearned how to walk. Never went upstairs or downstairs, and they moved my bed into the living room because if anyone was going to take a header down the stairs on crutches, it was me. Oh, no. Slowly, though, after I was mobile enough not to swan dive into more long-term injuries, I was talented, but also 10 at the time, so bouncy, I started noticing that I hated the stairs in my home. Upstairs, downstairs, it didn't matter. If I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I slid my back against the wall opposite the stairs like it was a three-inch ledge over a boiling lake of lava. If I ever had to go downstairs after dark to not be in my poor mom's hair, I would sprint down screaming Disney show tunes until I could get to the light all the way across the basement to frantically yank its pull string. I snapped it a few times. Dad was unimpressed. Now, that's normal kid stuff, Yeah. But the light on the stairs and at the base of the stairs were on during my self-accompanied sprint. Bright light all around me and behind me. Less normal, right? Now that I'm a grown-ass adult, I don't run down the stairs like Evil Knievel, but I sure don't go downstairs at night. I still give the upstairs landing a wide berth at night, both because it creeps me out and because the floor squeaks really bad, housing, boom, construction, go figure. But wait, there's more. Every cat that has lived in this house always hunkers down at the top of the stairs, both sets. We have to vacuum like three times every week to get all of their cat hair up. Cats like to survey their kingdoms from on high, you argue. Yes, you're right. They're superior creatures, (laughs) and I wouldn't have it any other way. But the kicker is this. I have been with my husband for almost nine years, and both of us believe in the supernatural, but don't really talk about it. The same that you don't really talk about the air you breathe or the water that you sip. You only mention it when it's bad. The thing at the bottom of the stairs isn't bad, it's just creepy. So eight plus years of him coming to my family home, and we start talking about the supernatural because I started listening to your podcast. We wander around a few subjects. Have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever been visited by a loved one who's passed? That sort of thing. And I idly ask, do you think my parents' house is haunted? I don't know if haunted is the term, but there's definitely a presence. It likes to look up your stairs. Oh? I stared at him, flabbergasted. Never had I mentioned the thing at the bottom of the stairs. At this point, the creepy feeling was routine. I thought I was a bit too jumpy with my head in the clouds. So now I gotta ask, what the hell resides on specifically the two staircases in my parents' house? Why right there? Why do I get a feeling like if I was too close to the landing at night, it's going to crawl up super fast and grab my ankles? What is that? And then she said, bonus, if you're taking suggestions for your pyramid scheme theme, I vote for a dramatic gopher sting. You know, the one that goes like, and the gopher turns around and stares at the camera dramatically. (laughs) And she said, bonus, bonus, I have thoroughly creeped myself out on my nighttime walk. Here's a picture of a very pretty kitty sitting on her front porch, surveying her kingdom from on high. 
also maybe is possessed by the camera flash demon. And also maybe there is a demon in the window behind her. I'd say it's a reflection of the camera flash, but why are there two lights? Maybe it's just another cat. (laughs) Sleep tight. Okay. It looks like another cat. It's totally another cat peeking out. You (laughs) can see the little ears. What is that other cat doing on my stoop? (laughs) Yeah. Or like, why am I not out there? Yes. FOMO. Wow. I'm so curious by what's at the bottom of the stairs. I know. And basically every creature, animal, being at this point has validated her experience. Yeah. Because she felt it and then the cat started acting weird. And then her own husband eight years later is like, yeah, something looks up your stairs. It like weirdly makes me think of like someone who's fallen down the stairs and died at the bottom and like continues to stare up at the like accident. Because especially to the way that she was afraid of going up and down the stairs and like falling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, it's really unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But just just the feeling. I know her feeling of of feeling like something's going to crawl up the stairs and grab your ankles. But the other thing, too, is that if all the lights are on, if you're surrounded in light, that feeling is supposed to dissipate, but it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. The fact that it's still there in the light. Right. It's, so it's not her imagination. And no. clearly the cats feel the same way, and so does her husband. Yeah. What is it? Let's get a medium in there. Seriously. Especially both staircases. Like, if someone fell down one staircase, but both? Yeah, Both sets of stairs? Is there like a stair lurking demon? I know. What is the stair monster? The stair monster. That's so weird. Yeah, why there? I don't know. This is one of those times where like I wish that I had psychic abilities and like could speak to the other side and see other things because then we can go to like all of our listeners' story and like the places themselves and like investigate and speak to the creatures or demons and – well, I don't want to speak to a demon personally, (laughs) but – but this is a time where, like, I wish that I had those abilities and, like, knew how to control them so that I could, I know. you know, get answers. I think we would – if we had those abilities, we'd utilize them every single week. Because we for every – there's always a story or two in every encounter where we're like, yeah. we need to know need more is happening here. We take this show on the road, podcast as we visit our listeners at their homes, at intrude their homes, upon their spaces. Climb up your stairs. <laughs> and touch. I mean, that would be fun. Your cats, pet your cats, oh. feed your cats, love on your cats. That will be Sabrina. I'll be outside. I'll look through the window. Yes. <laughs> okay, I have a story from Melissa. And it's called Dad's Premonitions and Haunted Hoxton Hotel. Hello, ladies. I have been obsessed with everything paranormal all my life, and I am always searching for good paranormal podcasts, which are hard to find. I heard about your podcast while listening to Ghosts in the Burbs. Love that show. And I thought I would give your show a try. I'm so glad I did because you two are hilarious and I love listening to you gals. I know everyone says this, but I seriously feel like I know you both and that you're my friend since we have a lot in common. (laughs) Corinne, I'm a clean freak. And Sabrina, I'm also a huge cat person. This is our cat episode. Plus, it's always nice to find others who are just into this stuff as I am. So I've decided you're my virtual friends. Well, let's get to my stories. I have a couple of different topics that I thought I'd squeeze into one email. So let's do it. Just as I have been into the paranormal my whole life, so has my family. And my dad, who is a very spiritual person, but also a no-nonsense level-headed contractor, has had some fairly interesting dreams in his day. Three, to be exact, that some might call premonitions. This first dream happened when he was in his early 20s. He lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, and it was the early 70s. He plays guitar, and one day he kept thinking of these lyrics in his head about someone in the Vietnam War— 
and some other details. And also, the name Simon kept coming to his mind. So he started writing a song on the guitar about this Simon for like weeks. Well, one day, he's at a bar with some friends, and he's introduced to a mutual friend named Charlie. They get to chatting at the bar, and Charlie begins to tell my dad about how he had been in Vietnam, and this and that, and all this other stuff about his life. And my dad starts recognizing this information as the same information he's been writing about in his song. He stopped Charlie mid-sentence and said, wait, if your name is Simon, I'm going to fall off of this bar stool. And Charlie replied, my name is Simon Charles Frocht. I just go by my middle name. I always picture my dad all bug-eyed, jaw wide open, falling off of his stool with this wannabe Bob Dylan fro wearing his bell bottoms, lol. After a few shots, he probably would have fallen off that bar stool anyway. He's not much of a drinker. So good thing he got that out of the way early in the conversation. Anyway, he and Charlie, Simon, have become best friends ever since, and my siblings and I call him Uncle Charlie. The next odd dream that happened was in the late 70s when one night my dad dreamt of a woman being brought to him on a horse by Native Americans. My dad is Scottish and English descent, not Native American. Well, one day he's over at his parents' house when his stepsister comes over with a friend of hers, that same woman that was on the horse. That woman is now my mother. Okay, the last of my dad's dreams. This dream happened in the early 90s when I was about 7 or 8 and my brother was about 11 or 12. My dad had a dream that he, my mom, and my brother were walking up a grassy hill towards a nice building and there was a little girl on his shoulders. Only, this little girl was not me. He had this dream a few times and he would always tell my mom, Tina, I had the dream again. I don't know who this little girl is, but it's not Melissa and Melissa's not there. He was pretty worried because he also would have a reoccurring dream that I was drowning in mud and he was trying to pull me out, but would always wake up before he found out if I lived or not. Fast forward about 10 years, my family had moved from the Bay Area up to Oregon when I was 10 and my parents divorced shortly after and my mom remarried. When I was a senior in high school, we were in Portland for my state dance team competition And while I was inside the arena practicing, my family was outside in the playground area. When it was time for them to go in and get seated, my mom, my brother, and my dad started walking up this grassy hill toward the nice arena building. And my dad looked over at my mom and said, Tina, this was my dream. He was holding my little sister from my mom's new marriage on his shoulders. My dad and mom remained really close after their divorce. And my dad and stepdad are good friends. And when my little sister was born, they made my dad her godfather. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) he and my little sis are super close and she's like a daughter to him my mom instantly knew what he meant and said wow i remember you're right isn't that bananas unfortunately i did not inherit any of my dad's cool premonition like dreams or my mom's strong intuition she once helped solve a murder case with her intuition no joke what i need to know more about that yeah like right now now email us right now (laughs) wow okay And despite being fascinated with the paranormal, I have never had a paranormal experience that I couldn't somehow explain away until I stayed at the Hoxton Hotel in Portland, Oregon. Located inside the gates of Portland's Chinatown, the hotel was recently renovated and is, I believe, built over the Portland tunnels that were notorious for the practice of Shanghaiing people, which we talked about. I think we did an episode about that. When we did tunnels, I think one of us did Portland. I think. I think. Did I? I don't know. Every time I think I did something, it ends up being you and I was just (laughs) a listener. Anyway, one of my best friends was having a baby shower a couple of years back. So another friend, Ariel, and I stayed at the Hoxton. When we got to our room, it was so small. I mean, real small. It's literally called the shoebox size room on their website. 
The room consisted of a queen bed to the right with a nightstand on either side and a bathroom to the left that had a sliding barn door. So if you're laying in bed, the bathroom is directly in front of you. The first night we were there, we fell asleep pretty early watching Hallmark Christmas movies. And sometime in the middle of the night, I woke up and saw the bathroom light was going on and off and on and off. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. But remember that it was a motion activated switch. So I figured it could have been a moth or something. So I fell back to sleep and didn't say anything about it to Ariel the next day because she spooks easily. Well, the next night was a little different. I was awoken in the middle of the night again, but this time by Ariel shaking me saying, Mel, Mel, look. And I look up and see the barn door to the bathroom sliding back and forth, back and forth. There was no way it could have done that for any rational reason. There were only baseboard heaters and it was too cold to have a window open or an air conditioner on. So it wasn't from any type of airflow or wind. I don't know what came over me, but I just said, it's fine. Whatever it is, it can't hurt you. Just go back to bed. Maybe because I was so tired from being woken up the night before and extra tired from the day's events, but I basically was just like, eh, whatever, and went back to sleep. Bad, Melissa, bad. I wish I would have stayed up and further witnessed and appreciated what could be my one shot at a real paranormal experience. All those ghost tours and hunts trying to see something unexplainable, psh, gone to waste. Poor Ariel <laughs> had to stay there another night by herself. Pretty sure she got drunk and just passed out so she wouldn't have to deal with any more ghostly activity, LOL. So if you ever do a live show in Portland, one, I will be there. And two, if you want a possible benign ghost encounter, stay at the Hoxton, just pack light. That shit is so small. Well, that's it for now, unless I have another paranormal experience in the future. I feel like 2020 is one long paranormal experience, though, and not a cool one at that. This email was probably the entire Encounters episode, so sorry about that, and you're welcome, everyone. Love you all. Stay spooky. And if I don't see you in Portland first, I will definitely see you on the other side. Melissa. Melissa's father is so powerful. Yeah. His dreams, his intuition. I just can't just just the very first thing that she was talking about with the the guy Simon that he dreamt about and was writing about and then meets him weeks later in the bar, the real life Simon. And like knew a good amount of details about his life. Yes. And then also who could have no one can ever predict that a marriage is going to end. And so the fact that he saw his future ex-wife's new child yeah. on his shoulders. Oh my gosh. I just have, ch I. it's chill inducing. It's so sweet. It is. And also so cool to like have this dream, which truly is, I mean, okay, the dream about Mel drowning in the mud is really scary, but to have this dream repetitively and not know what it means or when it's going to happen and then just to experience it and be like, oh my gosh, this is it. I want that to happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, haven't you had you've ex you've had experiences like that, haven't you? It, not really dream related, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit more intuition where it's like I'll feel like something's happening, and then mm. an hour later it happens. Yeah, man, my goodness, this is. I mean, this has got to be this has got to be a familial like hereditary ability, don't you think? I well, but Mel said that she doesn't have it. Maybe her brother does. Yeah, I think they need to be awakened. Yeah, I think that's that, true. that her father's ability is so strong that the children must have some sort of ability. They must be able to tap into something. Also, okay, it also started in his early 20s, or that first one is from his early 20s. Mm. So maybe it gets triggered at a certain point. Yeah, I wonder. Not to compare this to serial murderers. No, but, oh, but your comparisons today. <laughs> 
<laughs> but in a few of the books that I've read about serial killers, they talk about triggers. So something will happen to someone who is a sociopath when they're like four years old, whether that be trauma to the brain or or some sort of abuse or, or something that triggers them and then leads, so they think, potentially leads them to be a serial killer. So if they didn't have those triggers, they may never, ever be a serial killer. So I'm wondering too, if it's also just, you have to be, there has to be some moment, there has to be some big thing that happens for you. You might always have these abilities. You might always be able to tap into them. You're born with it, but something has to happen for them to open up inside of you. Not necessarily that that has to be a bad thing, like with serial killers, but... No. See, I'm more on board with this comparison than I think I was with the Bella Edward and Twilight. the Twilight one. Yes. Yeah. And John and <laughs> Emma. Poltergeist love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to start writing fan fiction, erotic fan fiction for ghost stories. About our <laughs> listeners' stories? Yes. <laughs> Bob's Burgers, Tina, Tina Burger style. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Can't wait to see and experience this. I also, okay, wait, Melissa, we need to know about how your mom solved a murder. Oh my God. Absolutely. Need all the details. What did she experience? What did she feel? Did she believe her experiences right away? Did someone else have to talk her into it? Who did she contact? What were the details? All we need. We need all of it. Please send it to her. Don't let us wait. I can't (laughs) wait. Also, I'm curious. I want to do a little Google search and find out if the Hoxton Hotel it's like known mm. to be haunted. We we sh- honestly, I'm kind of down to do a little haunted hotel road trip. So long as they're not, Me too. you know, I think there's a difference between going to an abandoned asylum and spending the night yeah. versus going to a hotel that's rumored to be haunted or a few rooms are haunted and then just spending the night. Especially if we're there together, you know? Yeah. If you're doing it alone, then I would be scared I don't want to do, do it, it alone. Having having a companion. After accidentally going to the Congress Hotel in Chicago and staying there and realizing once I was there that it was the haunted hotel that we covered, <laughs> I'll never do that again. I have an email from our listener, Allie, and it's called Corinne's Mention of the Breathing Mattress <gasps> Unlocked a Memory for Me. Ooh. Hey, besties. I'm currently listening to Encounters 112. And Corinne mentioned something about a breathing mattress from a haunting in Connecticut, and it unlocked a weird memory for me. I moved into a college house with four other people my senior year of college, 2019 to 2020, and it was a big old house with a dungeony basement, grand staircase, and the worst bathroom to share with four other people. My bedroom was located upstairs at the end of the hallway. Two of my other roommates also had rooms upstairs, but 90% of the time they stayed at their significant other's houses, so it was usually just me upstairs and my two other roommates downstairs in their rooms on the other side of the house. This house seemed totally fine when we moved in, except for a random red balloon that was just chilling in the dungeon basement that we found when we moved in. This was right after the It movie came out, so we thought it was a fun prank from people who lived there before us. That's so freaky. So creepy. For the first few months, I didn't notice anything weird, but at around Thanksgiving, I started getting a weird vibe in the house. At first, I thought maybe it was just me overthinking things, but then the feeling got worse. I had overwhelming feelings of dread on the daily, and it felt worse when I was home alone in the house. During the holidays, when everyone went back to their hometowns, I stayed, and the feelings got so bad that there were times when I would walk into the house and have to walk right back out and sit on the porch and call someone to come over to hang out with me. I just could not be there alone. This is when the mattress comes into play. 
One night I was sleeping. Finally, another roommate was back from holiday break, so I wasn't in full dread of being there anymore. And my bed felt like it was shaking or maybe more vibrating. I honestly thought I was dreaming or something until I opened my eyes and I could still feel the bed shaking. I laid there and eventually just fell back asleep. This continued to happen for months, but not every night. Every time it would happen, though, I would be hyper aware of it. And for a long time, I thought I was just imagining it or maybe not fully waking up from the dream. And that's exactly why I could still feel it when I would open my eyes. I don't know. But I now live 300 miles away and I don't have any experiences like that anymore. Just for the sake of this email, I reached back out to my old roommates to see if they had anything happen to them while we lived there. And they said they just had an overall feeling of being watched in our kitchen when they were alone. Okay, so this email is getting really long, but I do have to mention that I am also a person who wrote in about seeing doppelgangers all over my college town as well. This college was the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Side note, I keep getting alert as I'm writing this email saying error, which I've never seen before, and I might have to blame the ghost. Ooh. Okay, so in my first college apartment, I lived in basically a duplex situation, and I lived in the upstairs apartment. I had one other roommate, but he basically disappeared for three months, and this happened in those three months when he wasn't staying in our apartment. It was about 10 or 11 at night, and I was just chilling in the room, door locked, watching YouTube on my laptop with no headphones. I need to preface this part by saying how the apartment is laid out. Our front door opens into the living room, which has a doorway into the kitchen, and then the bathroom is off the kitchen, and then the back door is to the left of the bathroom door. Basically, you can look from the front door to the bathroom door in one straight shot. I heard a creak happen around where my front door is, and I kind of thought maybe my roommate was home, but then I heard what sounded like someone run from my front door back to the bathroom. I thought someone broke into the house, so I started to panic, and I had nothing to protect myself with except for pepper spray. I could tell it wasn't my roommate. He would never run, and he would never not go into his room first before going anywhere else in the apartment. I messaged my friend who lived up the street that he needed to come over to the house and check my front door and back door to make sure that they were locked. And he was there in under five minutes, but I was still panicked that there was someone in my house with me. When my friend arrived, he found the door to be locked, and he said that he would wait for me on my porch so that we could go through my apartment together, room by room, to make sure that no one had broken in. I don't know how I found the courage to run from my bedroom to the door, unlock it, and run back to the porch, but my friend and I went through the entire house, and we found absolutely nothing. I was so freaked out that I drove all the way back to my parents' house, and I spent the night there. I still have no idea what could have made that running sound through the house. Okay, so that's all the spooky stories that I have from good old Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Allie. The bed shaking is so I, – I hate it. I hate it. It's so – especially that it continued to vibrate. Yeah. I told you that this happened to me when I was a child, didn't I? Yeah. Well, remember – okay, this is sidetracking a little bit, but I remember you talking about it on the podcast early on. Mm-hmm. And it was like right before July 4th weekend of 2019, I want to say. And I was in bed and Nick was not here and all of a sudden my bed started shaking and I – freaked out and I was like I texted you and I was like oh my god I experienced it too and then moments later all of our friends were like did you guys feel that earthquake it was was just an earthquake but it is really creepy because I know exactly what Allie is talking about because I would be awake and I would just sit there for like literally 30 minutes maybe an hour awake and my bed would just be vibrating like it's truly it's like shake it's tiny it's as if someone took like you know how they have those muscle guns where you can put it up to your to your muscle and it just kind of yeah. like vibrates and shoots at you to the release tension. Yeah. 
It's as if someone's underneath your bed and they're theragunning underneath the mattress. And it's just like the vibrations coming through the whole thing and shaking you really, really quickly back and forth, back and forth. It's so weird. And the fact that it like goes on for so long. Well, now, now I'm curious. I'm trying to reflect on my own experiences because Allie said – that it only happened in that one house and then it's never happened since or in any other place. But it happened for months. But it did. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it seems like it was that house. So now I'm trying to remember if if it only happened to me in my parents' house or oh, if I experienced it anywhere else. I never really thought about that. Hmm. I'm surprised that her roommates didn't experience more beyond just feeling like they're being watched in the kitchen. But honestly, at least they did. Like at least they did right, have some alone. sort of feeling. Yeah. And, yeah. Interesting. But, it does make me think that like she was more the target of of whatever entity was there mm-hmm. or maybe she's just more open to it. I don't know. Y- yeah, I don't know. And I think another thing that might might have contributed to her experiencing more is that in both of these scenarios, she's mostly alone. Even if yeah. she has a roommate, her roommate's either gone or the roommates that live in that that quadrant of the home are never there. Yeah, so she's she's isolated, so she's an easy target. Oof. And the running that's creepy. The high speed running. Okay. Although it does, because I have more than once, and I know that she was alone, but more than once do I get home and I have to pee so badly mm-hmm. that I like burst through the door and I run straight to the bathroom. Like I run, I full sprint straight to the, bathroom. to the bathroom. Like pants are already unbuttoned. Got to get on the toilet. So maybe there's a ghost. I don't know. That's reliving. maybe though, because it's it's a college. It's I would that's assume true. a college dorm or a college apartment. So every year there's a new group that cycles through. So maybe is some sort of like residual haunting. Maybe or, or the spirit of someone who used to live in that dorm. I'm also thinking of like the time that I had food poisoning, and I won't go into the details. But I imagine I left a residual haunting of that experience, running to the bathroom. So yeah. I believe it. I believe it too. There have been okay. close calls. I have a story to end on. It's called Potentially Possessed Boyfriend, and it's from H. Hello, Sabrina and Corinne. I'm in love with your podcast and have had some experiences validated through the stories you have both shared. I'm not sure if this is a true possession story or just simply a creepy sleepwalker story, but nevertheless, it's still super creepy and spooky to me. My boyfriend and I have been together for about three years, and of those three years, we have never lived in the same city due to my being in school. He usually comes and visits once a week on the weekends and stays with me at my apartment. He is notorious for talking in his sleep and is pretty active while sleeping. One weekend, he came up and was staying with me for a couple of nights, and one night I woke up to him sitting up in the bed mumbling. He was turned facing the corner of my bedroom where at night you cannot see anything in that part of the room because it is so dark. So I sat up and asked what he was doing, thinking that maybe he was awake. He replied very clearly saying, they're here. I said, who's here? He replied back saying, can't you see them? They're over there. And then points to the dark corner of my bedroom. I at this point start to feel my heart beating faster and panic setting in because I'm starting to freak. I replied saying, I don't see anyone over there. No one's in the room. He says, yes, they are. They're here watching us. I then gently start to shake him, hoping to snap him out of his slumber. And I tell him I'm getting scared. He shakes his head a little, looks at me with his eyes open and lays back down. Thinking that this was just a bad dream and assuming at this point I have woken him up, I say to him, I'm scared now. And he replies back saying, don't be scared. They're not going to hurt you. They aren't here for us. What the (gasps) fuck? 
Oh my God. The next day, I'm telling him about his crazy dream and asks if he could remember anything. And he denies ever having a dream, or at least from what he could remember, and says he thinks I was the one having the crazy dreams. That night, we go to bed again, and I wake up again, but this time it is because I feel as if someone had just thrown a very heavy weighted blanket on me and feel this build of pressure over my body until finally it wakes me from my sleep. I wake up and find my boyfriend not in bed next to me, so I sit up and look around the room and then notice he is standing right next to my side of the bed, standing over me. His eyes are shut, and I can faintly hear him mumbling. Again, I start freaking out, but this time I yell at him saying, Get back in bed. I am tired of this. Pretty loud to where I am surprised my roommates did not hear me. He then, with his eyes still shut, quietly walks around the bed to his side and crawls back in bed and goes to sleep. To this day, he has not had another episode like this one and denies any remembrance of this happening and thinks that I was dreaming it all up. See you on the other side, H. Okay, what the actual freaking <laughs> fluff. Because this – why am I thinking alien abduction? Oh, but then he said they're not here for us. So who are they here for? I don't, I don't know. But just the thought of a group coming in and having a purpose and targeting, and it, it feels like it's just in the moment. It doesn't feel like there's a true haunting. That's why I'm thinking alien abduction because it feels like mm. he's saying, oh, someone's suddenly here, but they're not here for us and they'll be gone soon. Don't worry. Right. Ugh. So I don't know, but – Oh, sleep talking is already concerning enough. I know. It's, <laughs> it's so unsettling. when it happens. It's so creepy. And now her boyfriend's like, someone's here. And the fact that he is – he's communicating with her intelligently. And he his eyes are open. Like, he turned to look at her. Yes. And then when she thought he was going back to sleep, he was still responding like, don't be scared. They're not going to hurt you. They're not here for us. He was still <sighs> responding. Like, he was being – he was possessed. Yeah. Or he just – I mean, like we've said before, people are more in tune with the other side when they're sleeping. So he was asleep but conscious, you know? Yeah. I also – I don't know. I just would have thought that maybe in the morning when she was like, what was that about? That he would have been like, oh, I did have a really weird dream about this. But he has no memory and is like, this is entirely you making this up. Ooh. Ugh. Disturbing. I don't like it. Disturbing. I'm glad it hasn't happened since. But it does sound like – H, it sounds like your boyfriend is very in tune with the paranormal world. So if you guys are together for longer, you're going to have to get used to this. <laughs> I know. Wait until they buy a house together or, or move into an old building. Oh, it's going to just escalate. Although I, I say that, but then I've lived in plenty of brand new places and they've been haunted. That's true. You never know. It doesn't matter where you are. And doesn't. it doesn't matter if you're in the sky, if you're in the sea, if you're on <laughs> land. We've covered plains. We've covered lakes. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's all over the place. There's ghosts everywhere. No. Yeah. There, there are. So if you've seen one anywhere or everywhere, please email us your encounter to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We want to see and read all of them so please just send them to mm -hmm. us um yeah we'd like to talk about pyramid schemes and what that means for us is that we are transparent and we tell you that it does help us out sabrina and i and our podcast popularity if you go and you tell two people <laughs> about liking the podcast and then those two people tell two more people mm -hmm. that helps a lot but also what really helps is rating and reviewing on itunes so don't even do that just for us do that for all of your favorite podcasts yeah but do it for for us as well. but like first do it for us but first do it for 
us. Practice with us and then do it for everybody else. Yes. You can also support us by buying merch or following us on social media or supporting us via Patreon, which we are posting some videos of encounters. We'll like post two stories of us reading it, not from this episode. Yeah, if you would like to see our faces. Yes. That's where we are. Which Corinne is like currently hiding the bottom of her face from me. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize. I like looked back after reading my story and I see like just your nose up. This is like the classic dad FaceTime yeah. move. It's literally like my eyes up. So funny. <laughs> Real quick, we want to say thank you to Aiden Manning and Brooke Foster for editing our podcast and the whole team at Upfire Digital. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.